Welcome to the Treble Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Thompson, audiologist and founder of Treble Health. This podcast is supported by treblehealth.com, the nation's leading telehealth service for tinnitus and hearing loss treatment. Thank you for being here on our podcast and make sure to subscribe to get our newest episodes sent straight to you. Let's get ahead with today's episode. Can hyperacusis be treated? That's the question I will answer today. And I brought in special help from Loretta, who is a patient of ours. Loretta is going to share her experiences of how she treated hyperacusis to go from a very bothersome degree of sound sensitivity to essentially none at all. Loretta, welcome and thank you for being here. I'm going to start by asking you some questions and we'll go lightning round to really get into this topic of how do we find treatment for hyperacusis. So number one, how long ago did your hyperacusis start and how did it happen? Last year, uh, probably about the end of March, beginning of April, I had tinnitus. I've had tinnitus for a while, but it was really could hardly even hear it. And after I had uh, my shot, my vaccine, about a week later, it started getting really, really loud. And it caused me a lot of anxiety. And I think along with anxiety, what happened was that's when I started with the hyperacusis. And it started off where I didn't know exactly what it was. I knew I was having you know, the problems I was having, but I didn't know what it was, but I just wanted it to stop. It was a really horrible experience. Okay. And you worked with me personally. I'm Dr. Ben Thompson with Treble Health. We do work with patients via telehealth for tinnitus and hyperacusis. So let's go back to those early days. What kind of sounds were triggering the sensitivity around your house or around your life? Everything. The car, when I got in the car, even not even being in the car, just if the car was on and I walked towards the car, I couldn't stand the sound of the engine, the motor, I couldn't stand air conditioner, I couldn't take the sound of bacon sizzling, (laughs) I couldn't take the washing machine, I couldn't take the dishwasher, oh my goodness, of course the fire engine, the any sirens, the motorcycles, the trucks, the buses, anything, I mean it was terrible, it was really everything, a lot. The most common symptoms of sound sensitivity, hyperacusis would be water running, dishes clanking, kitchen sounds, those types of things. Were those some of the worst sounds for you day to day? Yes. Yes. Because I had to live it. You know, I couldn't go without washing my dishes or I couldn't go without washing clothes or I couldn't go out w- without the air conditioner. I mean, it was, it was very hard, okay. very hard. And how many months was it? hard? Was it challenging? And along that initial timeline, when did you seek help? The worst part of it was in the beginning because I didn't know what was happening to me. And that's when I I found you. I actually was a part of uh, the San Diego support group and someone in there gave me your information. And that's that's how I understood. So when you started treatment, how was the treatment explained to you? And what was your understanding of the treatment for hyperacusis? The sound therapy was the main thing, you know, the, the little, I have little sound generators and, and I then mentioned having the maskers, the tinnitus maskers, which I, I still have. I don't wear them as often because I don't really need them except for the, maybe sometimes the tinnitus, but relax. <laughs> the meditation helped a lot. Changing my food helped. um, Let's let's circle back to those initial things because from my professional opinion, those are the ones that did the most for you. Mm -hmm. 
your approach to sound therapy and then your approach to the, the psychology aspect of it. But first, sound therapy. How was it explained to you with what do you need to do to treat your hyperacusis in terms of sound therapy? I make sure that when I go into any room um, that I it's not quiet. Because that's the, well, that was a sound therapy for the tinnitus, and actually, it was sound therapy for the sound sensitivity also. So I just made sure that I always had the sound generators on. You had mentioned that I needed to use the maskers as much as possible, and I had two different options. I had the maskers that are like the hearing aids, and then I had the what's it called? <laughs> you had you had something else for hearing loss, which is a bone anchor device. No, oh, that's that's a little different than what most people have or what most people are going through because that was something that you already had from years past and somewhat related, but really not the cause of your hyperacusis. So you did commit to sound therapy. I know that after working with you now, give us a update of where you are today, you know, about 15 months after it started with your hyperacusis, are you cured? What do you experience? Yes. Every once in a while I get, and it's not necessarily sound sensitivity. It's just a, a a tinny uh, sound to just the radio, just the radio. But it happens very, very, very rarely. I would say I'm 99%. It's gone. I mean, there's, you know, I would like to say 100%, except for that's just that that little part. But it, it's very rare, like I said. It's gone. It's gone. Thank God. It's gone. I don't have it anymore. Loretta, when Mm -hmm. you started looking for help for hyperacusis, did you find any success stories? Clearly, you've shown signs of going from severe hyperacusis to essentially cured. Were these positive stories out there? Did you have anyone who could guide you through it? And just talk to us about other people who might be watching this who are in those early stages, what kind of message is important to share? Don't go on the internet looking for help because what you see or and hear there is only the horror stories of people who don't get cured or don't want to follow any kind of medical real information. Do exactly what you're told to do. Don't deviate from it because if you do, because I did it a couple times, I, you know, I said I didn't want to use the maskers or whatever. It doesn't help. I mean, it makes it worse. It makes a lot of things worse. Don't get so involved of the negative parts of it because it does get better. It does get better. The anxiety that it gives you, if you get the anxiety, has to go. You have to let that go. When you said that you use sound therapy, Mm -hmm. it was a combination of a speaker at home, which costs about $50, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a sound therapy machine, also called a Mm -hmm. sound machine. Yes. Additionally, tinnitus maskers or what are called ear level sound generators, when they're used on the ear, that provides ear level sound therapy. Now, those two aspects, that's all Mm -hmm. that one needs for sound therapy. Now, you followed that protocol quite well. How did you do it? What percentage of your day did you have sound therapy and for how many months? All day, especially in the beginning, it was all day for about nine months, about nine months. I used it religiously. I got so used to having the maskers on, in fact, that I would get in the shower and not realize that I had them on, you know, and I'd go to bed and I forget that I I had them in my ears. So it was constantly that I would either have the maskers on or I would have this in in my house. I have, Mm. um, I still have actually for the tinnitus, but I have a sound generator in the living room. I have one in the bathroom. I have one in my bedroom. So anywhere Mm. I go, there's the noise is still there. Mm. 
And I remember my first time seeing successful hyperacusis treatment in San Francisco at the hospital when I was an audiology resident, where after a number of months, someone came back at the beginning, they had to wear earplugs around loud noises. They were really struggling. They come back months later and they say, yeah, it's essentially gone. It's not a problem anymore for me. I'm doing much better. And hyperacusis is a very specific condition where most doctors don't know much about it. Those who do probably don't specialize in, in it. So to find a specialist, you often have to go to a major hospital or a major clinic. We worked via telehealth. That's a new model where Zoom consultations and then shipping the devices to your house works with the same quality of care. Working with you over these past 15 months, we had more appointments at the beginning, but Overall, you've also shown an amazing recovery with hyperacusis. Mm -hmm. And that's a story that we want to share because there's not so many of these stories out there for anyone who has sound sensitivity or hyperacusis, no matter where you are in the world, this story can get you on the right track. Now, there's certain things one can do immediately on their own related to sound therapy, related to the psychology piece of it. And there's a place, in my opinion, for a specialist to guide someone mm -hmm. along the way because it's not do-it-yourself kind of condition. I mean, there's a lot of nuances and specifics that we want to work through as a one-on-one -on -one audiologist. That's That would be our preference. Loretta, you followed the protocol really well, and we were following tinnitus retraining therapy protocol for you who has hyperacusis and tinnitus. We want to treat the hyperacusis first because trying to treat tinnitus without considering hyperacusis doesn't work as well. So we were primarily focused on the sound sensitivity, the hyperacusis, I remember that you had shared the sound of your air conditioner, which typically isn't that loud, was really bothersome. And living where you live, where it gets quite hot, that can be quite a challenge. So how does that air conditioner, how did that change over the 15 months? I have no problems with the air conditioner. I have no problems with anything at home. Like I said, I have really have no problems with any noises at all. Even the sirens and trucks and motorcycles. And I don't have any more problems. Hmm. So we talked about how hyperacusis can be treated how the condition can get better. There are some things we don't want to do, which is wear earplugs too often, overprotect right. our hearing. We also don't want our patients to avoid socializing, avoid places that are noisy. It's a balance, right? Because one of the places that, what was the social place or the place in public that was the most challenging for you to be in at the beginning? A restaurant. Okay, a restaurant. Restaurant. So, so someone might think, well, this will be easy. I'll just avoid restaurants until I get better. What would you say to that person? No, that's what I I tried in the beginning. I started just staying at home. I didn't want to go anywhere. And then when I spoke with you, you mentioned not to avoid places because I had to habituate back to being able to go to those places without having problems. So I did. Um, what I did was I did have three different types of earplugs. So, you know, if, if it was really noisy in there, then I'd put one set on. If it was just mild and not too bad, then I would put in the ones that would let me hear you know, and I had two different types of those also. So you have to go in at the store. That was another thing too, the stores. The Some of the stores. The grocery that, store, things like that. Yes, the grocery store, especially because they have in the deli section, they have a type of, uh, I don't know if it's air, con air conditioning or something going on. And it sounded like I was in a train 
station it, it was bad in there and, and that was one of the things and even you know even at the registers where you put they would put that thing through and it make that mm -hmm. noise the, beep, the beeping noise the beep that would drive me yeah. crazy too so yeah what you're describing is so important for us to share this message that this is a real condition that affects us and this is not in your mind right if mm -hmm. if someone's family friends are watching this learning about it they might think well loretta just deal with it what do you mean it's it's a loud mm -hmm. sure it's loud but can you just get over it i mean it's not mm -hmm. like that it's not like no. that there's no choice in the matter of oh i'm mm -hmm. gonna choose that it's not bothering me it's a physiological reaction of the brain similar to migraine where if someone has a visual migraine they might be very sensitive to light mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean that their eyeballs are damaged it doesn't mean that it's a permanent change to their system it just means that their brain is hypersensitive in that moment and that's similar what we have going on with hyperacusis is that the auditory brain is is hypersensitive for a longer duration and it can improve with treatment because the brain has plasticity the brain can change in a positive way your case study exhibits that in a quite dramatic fashion where you followed the treatment protocol from tinnitus retraining therapy something that at treble health that we focus on because for hyperacusis that is the best treatment for noise sensitivity that's what we do and it's not only the sound therapy sound machine at home devices on your ears that are worn uh, throughout the day but it's also the coaching and the guidance on hey don't stay mm -hmm. at home all day hey don't right. use earplugs all the time mm -hmm. still go out and socialize still go out to your places as much as you can all of those pieces come together and then by the end of it you can treat this condition and quite honestly you can cure it in some cases which you're very close to that level we're focused here on discussing the different treatment methods the piece of this that i want to add which you can help me on is that Let's say going to the store, going to the grocery store, you knew that some of those sounds were going to trigger your, your sound sensitivity, but you also probably had some fear, anxiety, and stress around going there and around being there. So you can't change the, the sound sensitivity in the brain, but you can work on the fear and the anxiety and the stress around going there. So there is this psychological element. Would you like to touch on that and how you manage that? Well, like I said, though, at first, I, I just didn't want to even think about it. Uh, my anxiety had gotten so bad that I just didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to stay home. But after talking to you and and you telling me, you know, that I needed to go out and, and do things, I would just try to psych myself out anytime I had to go because I had to go to the store. I, there's no way I could just forget about it and <laughs> not eat. <laughs> but I would just take my earplugs you know, and if I needed them, I put them on, I tried, I'd go in the store, I'd go as far as I could towards the area that I knew was going to, was with the noise and then at the register. And I'd use my earplugs and then little by little I started, I, okay, well, I have three different types of earplugs. The first one is completely, hardly, you can hardly hear anything. And then I had a second set that was, it let the noise in, but it wasn't complete. And then I had another set that was really, really light as far as letting the sound go through. So depending on that, I would put those on and then little by little, I just take them off and mm -hmm. just have to go in the stores. And, and the, like I said, the anxiety was really bad for a really long time. I was really afraid that what I was afraid of was going in there and any progress that I had made with the hyperacusis, I was afraid I was going to lose it. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that I'd go back and I'd have to start all over again, you know, and that's what really, really 
used to give me a lot of anxiety. But as I kept on going and, and got a little braver and braver, I realized that no, going out there and doing these things that I needed to do actually was helping it go away. So Absolutely. And great job. You managed it well. You really did what I asked you to. And we followed the scientific protocols that are based in research and experimentation over the years. Now we have great methods for the treatment of hyperacusis. So does hyperacusis ever go away? In your case, I would say it did. Going to, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Loretta, for your time. For those of you watching, leave us a comment below if you have any questions. Otherwise, you can find us at treblehealth.com. My name is Dr. Thompson. Thank you again, Loretta. Have a nice one. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for watching today's video with Treble Health. Check out our next video by clicking the button on this screen or another recommended video. And if you're not already, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. See you on the next video. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. This is your host, Dr. Ben Thompson. If you have two minutes, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a five-star review on the Apple podcast platform for the Treble Health podcast. Thank you for your time. And if you need any services for tinnitus or hearing aids, please head over to treblehealth.com and our team of expert audiologists will be able to help you via telehealth. Have a great one and see you soon.